So um, Mike gave me the introduction, but I'll go ahead and share just a little bit more about me. Yeah, I've known Mike um, for about 23 years. We met at junior high youth group, community Christian church in Orange, Texas. He played the drums and I thought he was so cool. So I tried to befriend him 23 years later. He's still kind of cool, so we'll let him make it. Uh, but a few more things. I am I'm married. I've been with my wife now for 15 years. We have two beautiful little girls, uh, four and two years old, Esther's son and Ruth Moon. And Ruth, she is incredible. She actually cries like Chewbacca. When she cries, she's like, when she cries, it is absolutely adorable. Um, I actually served at City Church about eight years ago. Me and my wife, we moved up here to New York to uh, help Michael plant this church. So I've been here and I, I love just running around the city and looking at different things. It brings back a whole bunch of different memories. And so those are some things about me. A, a couple other things is I, I'm left-handed. Um, anybody in here left-handed? Yep, there we go. There we go. We're the only ones in our right mind. I don't like Italian food which is why I didn't live in New York for very long. But there's another thing about me uh, that a lot of people close to me know, and if you follow me on social media, maybe you'll know this too, is I like to run. I know you're thinking I'm crazy because I say I like to run. I enjoy running. Now, 34 years ago, that would not have been the case, right? In the last 34 years, I never ran. The only time that I would ever run is if something was chasing me, or if I was with my wife and we were running late. Other than that, I just didn't run. But when COVID happened, the gyms closed down and I, I needed to stay fit. I wanted to you know, be able to take care of myself and my body and because I believe that if we take care of our bodies, our bodies will take care of us. And so I wanted to be able to stay fit. So I decided that running was free. So I was gonna start running. Today, I actually run about five miles every single morning. I get up at five o'clock in the morning, pound a cup of coffee, wipe the crust out of my eyes, put my shoes on and run about five miles. And right now, some of you are thinking, does that make me better than you? And the answer is yes, it does. It absolutely does. No, I'm just kidding. But it didn't always start that way. When I first started running, I could barely even run one mile. And I'd run a mile and I'd just be on the side. And I was like, <sighs> just wheezing like this. Couldn't even run a mile. But eventually, I was able to run two miles, and then I was able to push myself and persevere to where I could run three miles. And so in about a two-month stretch, I was able to go from the couch to 5K. I was able to run three miles, and I was starting to feel pretty good for myself. And then over time, I just kept running that same loop around my neighborhood, running those same routes over and over again, three miles every day, done. And then I began to plateau. And then I stopped moving forward. I, I stopped seeing the progress that I was experiencing beforehand. And so I decided I was gonna run five miles. I was gonna push myself, run five miles. But I discovered that there is a difference between running three, three miles and running five miles. You know what the difference between three miles and five miles is? Two miles, no. <laughs> the difference is what it takes to accomplish that. See, in order for you to run three miles, it takes a physical conditioning. Like you got to be able to have the lung capacity. You got to build up your muscles. You got to get your gait right. You got to get your stride right. There is a physical capacity that you must have. But to go from three to five, it's no longer physical. It actually becomes a mental strength that you need. It's mind over matter to be able to push yourself that extra two miles. 
It's not just a physical strength because that's already been built up. It becomes now a mental game. It takes a mental strength and mental ability for you to persevere through that. If you ask marathon runners, people who run 10 miles, 15 miles, 24 miles, if you ask them, hey, what does it take for you to do that? They'll tell you it's all in your head. That it's a, it's a mental game. It takes a mental strength. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about what it takes for us to get strong. And it's not just a physical strength. It is not even just a mental strength. What we're going to be talking about is something more important than that. We're going to be talking about physical, mental. We're going to talk about spiritual strength. Because if you want to be able to conquer, if you want to be able to leave a legacy, if you want to be like the theme of this series is to be a champion, then what does it take? It takes a spiritual strength for us to be able to receive and to live in the blessings that God has for our lives. It takes a spiritual strength. And I just love how this conference has played out so far. Because on night one, he told us to look up. This morning, Susan Richardson told us to stand in. And then Jason Cooper tells us to break through. And today I want to tell you how to get strong. Because if you want to see God do amazing things, it's going to require a spiritual strength. And today I'm going to be preaching out of Joshua chapter 1-9. It's one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. Be strong and courageous. Every white girl's got that on her Instagram bio. Be strong and courageous. I know somebody in here got a coffee cup with that verse. Be strong and courageous with your morning Jesus coffee. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe there is, we got any grandmas in here? I know it's in your kitchen on a plaque you got from Hobby Lobby. Be strong and courageous. It's one of those famous verses, but I don't want you just to have this verse on a coffee cup. I don't want you just to have it on your Instagram bio. I want you to get this word in your heart because it takes strength. The last year has been a year where many people have been discouraged. I was talking to Pastor Mike. I said, Mike, what do you want me to preach over? What's the, what's the culture up there? Because I live in Texas. It's completely different. Yeah, it is. I said, I said what, what, what are people struggling with? He said, I just think people need to be encouraged because last year has been a hard year. And this year is still a tough year. I want people to be encouraged and I want people to be strengthened. I said, I, I can do that. I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. I want to help you get strong because here's what I know is that every single one of us, we have been in a battle, we've come through a battle, and we're about to get into another battle. Every person you meet, there's a fight that they are facing. Every one of you, you've either been in one, you're in one, or you're about to be in one. 2020, that was a battle. 2021 ain't been much easier. Everybody's like, I can't wait till next year. As if when the calendar flips over, everything just starts over. Ain't true. 2020 was a battle. 2021 was a battle. And if you're walking by faith and living for the Lord, you can expect 2022 is going to be a battle. But here's what I know is that God wouldn't call us to it if he didn't see us through it. He wouldn't say be strong if you couldn't be strong. He wouldn't tell you to do something that he's not going to equip you to accomplish in your life. It's not like God the Father looks down at Paloma and says, Paloma, I got a big plan for your life. Mackenzie, I got a big plan for your life. Santiago, I got a big plan for your life. Now go be strong and courageous. And then the, the Father, Son, and Ghost get over here and they're like, watch them fail. God didn't 
appoint you for disappointments. God's not setting you up for failure. God is putting you in a position right now so you can trust in him, depend on him, and so you can be strong in him. Be strong and courageous. Six times in Joshua chapter 1, he receives this word, be strong and courageous. He gets it first from Moses in Deuteronomy 31 and 33. Joshua 1, you hear God speak, be strong and courageous. I got great things for you, but I need you to be strong and courageous. And it's repeated so many times in Joshua chapter 1. By the end of it in verse 18, even the people begin to say it back to him. Joshua, be strong and courageous. You know why? Because there's people depending on your strength. It starts in our hearts, and then it overflows into the lives, into the legacies, into the lineages that come after us. It starts here. It starts in our hearts. Because if you're not strong, the people around you, they will suffer. We see this happening in our society today. When the, when the church is not strong, people suffer. When we are not strong, the people around us suffer. I don't know what New York's like, but I've read statistics that it's the least biblically minded city in America here in Albany. I've read statistics that there's more cats than Christians. And we all know where cats are going, amen? amen. Susan said dogs go to heaven, cats go somewhere else. <laughs> but if we're going to see a revival happen in the Northeast, and what are we going to have to be? We're going to have to be courageous, and we're going to have to be strong. If you want your friends and family who don't let know, love Jesus, come to know and love Jesus, it's going to require you to be strong. If you want to be able to see your grandchildren or your children or people with your last names, destinies change forever, it requires us to be strong because nobody conquers by accident. Nobody, nobody's destiny is accidental. It's not even automatic. And what I've discovered is this, is that people want a legacy, but they don't really want to work for one. People think if it's God's will, it's going to happen. Not true. God's desire is that none shall perish, but they do every single day. God's will does not happen automatically. It takes us partnering with him, being strong and courageous. What happens is this, is when we conquer, here's how it happens. It's God's willingness meeting our will to walk in his word. That many people are waiting on a move of God, but sometimes God's just waiting on a move of man. It takes us being strong. It takes us being courageous. It takes us working out, walking with to be able to see what God wants to do in our lives. So who wants to be strong today? This is the face side right here. Let me ask you guys over here, who wants to be strong? You wanna be strong? You wanna be courageous? Over here, who wants to be strong? Who wants to be courageous? See, what I know is this, the reason you're here is because you wanna be strong. You wouldn't be at Revo 2021 if you didn't wanna be strong. You wouldn't have paid the money to get in the conference. You wouldn't have gone through the hassle of finding childcare. You wouldn't have got on that plane. You wouldn't have drove from Brooklyn or Staten Island all the way here to the Northeast, to Albany, if you didn't want to be strong. You're here because you want to be strong. 
And 2 Chronicles says this, the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro, looking for whom he can strengthen. The moment you walked in the door, God said, there's a man I want to strengthen. There's a woman that I want to strengthen. I want to give you strength. I want to give you courage. I want to put that fight back in your chest. The moment you walked through that door, God had a word for you. So what I want to do is I want to help you to be able to, to get strong. So after this, we're all going to go run five miles together. I'm kidding. I tried running at the, 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 the Fryhoffer's run today. I tried running at it. I heard he was there, so I was going on my run, and I ran up, and, and, and the, the guy stopped me. He said, he said, I assume you're not running here. I said, why not? He said, because it's a run for women. I was like, women can't run for themselves? Like, I can run too, right? He's like, no, it's actually a run for women. And I was like, aw. And I didn't get to run, okay? So we're not going to run today, but here's what we are going to do. We're going to apply this word to our lives. Right? Because it's not just enough for us to know the word. We've got to know what to do with it. See, a lot of people, they know this Bible verse. Be strong and courageous. But they're like, how? What do I, how do I do that? Do I just muster up this inner strength inside of me? Do I just repeat it over and over to myself? What do what, what I do? How do I be strong? So I want to help you apply this word to your life. So the first lesson in how we can get strong is we have to do this. You ready? Here's the first lesson. Leave the past behind. Listen to what Joshua 1 opens up. It says to leave the past behind. Here's how Joshua chapter 1 starts off. After the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, I know a lot of you are Catholic up here. Son of Nun doesn't mean like a nun. Because the whole point of being a nun is that you don't have any sons. His father's name was Nun. And he was the son of Nun. And here's what we see. Is that Moses' assistant, Joshua, God says to him, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, oftentimes... In the church, when it comes talking about our past, we have a, a negative idea about the past. Even when I said, leave the past behind, people are like, amen, hallelujah, pastor, that's good. Leave the past behind. Because we have a negative connotation about the past. People say, that's my past. Don't talk about my past. That's who I was. That's not who I am. That's not who God has made me to be. Glory, hallelujah. Or we say, anytime the devil tries to remind you of your past, you just remind him of your future. Woo! that'll preach or maybe this let it go let it go. wait that's Disney but I'm sure some pastor not Mike but some pastor has used that as a sermon illustration from somewhere because what happens is this is we have a, a negative sense about the past but can I just tell you something that not everything that has happened in the past is a bad thing that in the past God has done some incredible things even up in here in New York the Great Awakening happened not too far from here. Revivalists came in and they would preach here and every time they would open their mouth, miracles and people would be getting saved. God did some great things in the past up here in New York. There's things that have happened in our past that are good. I mean, just consider Joshua's past. Joshua's got a pretty good past. He's Moses' assistant. Can you imagine what it would be like to be the assistant to Moses? I mean, this is, this is Moses who's like, take off your sandals because you're talking to a burning bush. This is that Moses. 
This is the Moses who goes up to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. This is the Moses where there's ten plagues that come. This is the Moses that delivers the nation of Israel from slavery and bondage. And the reason why it says in, in Joshua 1, the son of Nun, that's indicating that Joshua is the firstborn son in his family line. So when the death angel hovered over and the blood was over the doorpost, Joshua, his life was spared. That's a good day for Joshua. He got to walk through the Red Sea on dry ground as he's in the wilderness. They have a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Moses lifts a serpent up and everybody there gets healed. Moses gets the Ten Commandments. I mean, Joshua, he sees all of these things. He drinks water from a rock that waters two million people. And the entire time he was wandering through the wilderness, he never had to buy new clothes. Forty years. I got two toddler girls. I be buying clothes all of the time. My wife be buying clothes. That's why I wear the same clothes every day. Because they keep spending all the money buying new clothes. Joshua saw some amazing things. But guess what? Moses is dead. What God's saying is this. You can't go back. Joshua, it's your turn. It's your time. This is your moment. You got to move forward. You can't go back. Listen, it's good for us to remember the past, but it's not good for us to live there. You can remind yourself of what God did, but you can't live in the past. You got to keep moving forward. Psychologists actually have a term for this. It's called arrested development. It's where an age or a life stage happens and a person quits maturing. I'm sure we all have somebody in our life that, that we know who's like that. Maybe an old friend. Every time you go hang out with them, they just talk about the same memories over and over again. Like, those were the best days of my life. So you hang out and they're talking about in high school and they caught the winning football touchdown or whatever they call them. Or, or, or they're like talking about their band in high school, three-chord wonder kids playing at the same show. Or maybe they're talking about in college when they would play beer pong and guitar hero all night. Hey, what was that girl that I dated back in college? I mean, and meanwhile, their wife and kids are sitting next to them and you're like, this is really awkward conversation, bro. Because they get stuck. They get stuck in some glory day moment. These were the best days of my life. If that's you, can I just tell you, your life is sad. Because you're stuck. And you've basically given up any hope that God wants to do something great in your future. If those are the best days of your life and your best days are behind you, what's the point of even looking forward? You have no hope because you're stuck. We even see this in young men. This is what people call Peter Pan syndrome. Basically boys who can shave. They have the biology of a man, but they have the maturity of a little boy because they're, they're stuck. That's why they're 35, still living at their mom's house and dating a girl longer than you could be president. Bro, four years is too long. If you can't be president that long, you can't date that girl that long. But you have that arrested development where you're, where you're stuck in that. And listen, any time that we stop developing is the moment spiritually we start dying. I've seen churches get into this. Churches where 20 years ago, God showed up in amazing ways. And now people don't even want to move the pulpit. 
Because one time we had a revival and that guest preacher came in and they put that pulpit right there. And maybe if we keep it there for long enough, God might show up again. I've seen churches where they've gone from 200 to 1,000 in a year. They're the talk of the town. They didn't steward that movement well. And 20 years later, they're just trying to get back there. It's tragic. Moses, my servant, is dead. Leave the past behind. But so many people, they get stuck in the past. They keep looking back to the past. And Satan actually likes that. Because if Satan can keep you looking backward, he can keep you from moving forward in your life. If Satan can always get you looking back, then he can keep you from moving forward. Every single one of us in our lives, we have a windshield and a rearview mirror. And the windshield is a lot bigger because where we're going is a lot bigger than where we've been. And sometimes you got to look through that rearview mirror just so when you're backing up, you don't hit anybody when you're getting to the destination that God has called you to go. So sometimes you got to leave the past behind. I am grateful for everything that God has done in my past. I'm grateful for our church. I'm grateful for when our small group was, was eight people in a living room. I'm grateful for that. But if you were to ask me, do I want to go back to that? No. I'm grateful for my time up here at City Church. Do I want to go back? No! <laughs> because God has done amazing things yesterday, but he's the God of today and of tomorrow and a billion years into the future. He never changes. He always wants good for his people. You've got to leave the past behind. Joshua, he's going to see amazing things. Joshua... As you keep reading, he's going he's gonna to see the Jordan River part. He's going to see the walls of Jericho fall down. He's going to see the sun stand still. But he wouldn't see those things if he just kept thinking about what God did 40 years ago. you got to leave the past behind. The second thing is very similar. It's for us to look forward to the future. Here's how the story continues. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now, Joshua, he's just gotten his marching orders. God said, all right, Moses is dead. Your time, your turn. Arise and go. Go where? Over the Jordan. Do you notice something that... God doesn't give him the whole 24 chapters in the first verse. Like, there's going to be 24 more chapters that take place. We're going to see Joshua have victory. We're going to see him conquer. We're going to see him inherit the land. We're going to see him take new territory. We're going to see great victory. We're going to see him overcome defeat. We're going to see him lead his men. We're going to see him be strong and courageous. And it all starts right here. Arise and go. Where? Just pass the Jordan first. In order for you to get to the land, you got to take a step into the Jordan. And here's what I've discovered in my life. Is that walking with Jesus is just taking one step at a time. You never run out of next steps when you're walking by faith. This is what we see is that we don't, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. I love what Dr. Martin Luther King says. He says, faith is just taking that step even when you don't see the first staircase. You just keep taking that step. 
And that's what it is. It's looking forward to the future. God, I don't know what you're going to do, but I am going to trust you. I am going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. And I'm just going to take this step. And I'm going to take this step in faith that you're going to give me another step on the other side. You never run out of next steps when you're walking by faith. Joshua has to walk by faith. He just says, okay, God, I, I know you said it. I believe it. So I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to trust you. And as he does, what we see is that the River Jordan parts. And they walk through by dry ground, but he had to take that first step. You have to look forward to the future and believe that God has good for you in your life and to be able to step out in faith and follow after him. Arise and go. You want to be strong? You got to get up and you got to go. If you want to be strong, you got to step out in faith. If you want to be strong, you got to look forward to the future. The, the second thing that we, or third thing rather that we see is this, is you got to live in the promise. Here's the promise in verse 3. We see this. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you. Now I want to pause right there. It's been given to him already. It's his before he ever even takes it. It's his before he ever inherits it. God said, I will give it to you. But he still has to walk it out. Because this is how faith works. It's the same way as if I were to give you a check and say, here's a check for $500. It's no good in your hands. What do you have to do? You have to take it to the bank and you have to cash that check. That's what it means living by faith. Taking the promises of God that he has given you and taking them to the bank, cashing that check and living in his word over your life. The land has been given to you. Now get up and go. Live in the promise. Listen to how this promise works. Just as I have promised to Moses. Just so you know, I'm not lying and twisting scripture, taking out of context. The word promise is in the promise. That I promised to Moses from the wilderness to this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, to the lands of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the land of the Hittites, the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, here's another promise, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall call, cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, if you remember back to Sunday school, how many of you grew up in Sunday school, going to Sunday school? Okay, let's do a little Bible trivia here. If you remember going back into to Sunday school, this wasn't the first time that Joshua saw the promised land. The first time we meet Joshua is in Numbers 13, and he was a spy. How many spies were there? There we go, 12 spies. And these 12 spies, they go out to do reconnaissance on the land. 10 spies come back, and they bring a negative report. They say, they say, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. And then Joshua and Caleb, they come back and they say, we can do it. God is for us. God is on our side. God has given this land. I believe that we can do it because I believe what God has said to us. We are more than conquerors. We can take this land. If God be for us, who can be against us? But 10 negative reports swayed the hearts of the people and they did not inherit the land. 
And so 40 years, Joshua's wandering through in the wilderness. 40 years, Joshua has to go through this wilderness moment. Why? Because people chose to focus on the problem instead of focus on the promise. Listen, in life, you will always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for problems, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find problems. Everywhere you look, you're going to see problems. If you have this negative dispensation about yourself where everything's going to go wrong, guess what? Everything in your life is going to go wrong because you always find what you're looking for. I mean, do you know people like that who they're just never happy? I mean, it's a beautiful day outside. And they're like, yeah, but tomorrow it's going to rain. You know people like that, like, hey, how's it going? They're like, it's terrible. Yesterday was terrible, today is terrible, tomorrow's going to be terrible, and I got a rash. You're like, but they make cream for that. It's too expensive. Nobody's going to, you can't be happy. Because all you do is focus on the problems. You find what you're looking for. But Joshua, he had been around some people who focused on the problems. And he saw what that did in his life. And so this time around, he's learning from his mistakes. Surrounded himself with people with faith. And instead of focusing on the problems, he's focusing on the promise. This land is mine. God said it was mine, and I'm going to take this land because he's going to be with me. He was with me then. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He's going before me. He gave it to me. This land is mine, and he is living in the promise. The promised land, that inheritance, is 300,000 square miles. Now, I know that we don't have good geography about the Middle East, and so just put that comparison Texas is 200,000 square miles. And Joshua inherits the entire land over 24 chapters. And he fights a seven-nation army, ten times their size. He conquers, he takes the land that God had given to him in over 24 chapters. If you were just to go home and Google it and you look at the map, I mean, Joshua's walking everywhere. And because he's living in the promise of God. God said, this land is mine. So what does he do? He says, I'll take that land. And this land's mine, so I'm going to take that land too. Oh, this land looks a little nice. I'm going to take that land, and this is my land. And God, you said this was mine too. And so he just keeps taking the land that God is having because he's living in the promises of God for his life. When God gives you a word, when God gives you a promise, when God speaks something into your heart, you have to hold on to the promises of God for your life. Live in the promise. And instead of focusing on the problems that are surrounding you, look up to our provider and look up to the one who gives a promise to your life. Joshua is living in the promise. And I love the parallels from Joshua to the church. I love the parallels from Redemption Church to Pastor Mike's church here at City Church. It almost seems like every season our churches are just like right there next to each other. I mean, you open, and then we open shortly after that. And then as, as you're growing, we, we start growing. As you move to a new building, we get a new building. And then as you move into another building, we get a new building. But we've only had two. I think you've had 17 over the last 10 years. Okay, 23. Okay. And so it's like we just keep moving in that same direction together. And you're got, you guys are buying a building, and we're also buying a building as well. And just so you know. Buying a building for a church is not an easy thing. 
Because you have, you have certain things that you require, certain things that, that you need. Like, like we, we need enough room to, to seat a couple hundred people. We need 30-foot ceilings. We need 500. I heard you 500 parking spaces. They don't even make that in New York, do they? And so we're just calling people, looking for this new building. I know Mike's been working through the same process, looking for this new building. And it can get very discouraging. Because you're like, God has given a, a promise to you, and you're, you're just seeing problems and doors being closed left and right. And so it could be very discouraging. Last year, God put it in my heart. He said, Byron, it's time for your church to buy a new building. And I said, God, you're crazy. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. Now's not really the great time to stand up and say, hey, guys, I need you all to start giving so we can buy a building. Because people are losing their jobs, people are sick, people are in the hospital, some people have lost their lives, there's economic uncertainties, there's a political election, and then down in Texas we got three hurricanes and a partridge in a pear tree. It was a bad year for us. And so I stand up there in August and say, guys, God has laid it on my heart that it's time for us to buy a new building. And so I'm going to start rolling out a campaign, and we're going to start giving, and we're going to start believing in faith. And the church was good, and the church was cool, and they were behind it. But meanwhile, I was very discouraged. And so what I do when I, I get discouraged, I, I go on a run. And so I decided I was going to go on the longest run that I've ever been on. I was going to run 15 miles that morning. So I got up early. It's August. And I run seven miles to the hike and bike. And then I run the loop, and then I run back home. And I plan my routes along water, because I, I don't run with water. And, and so I, I run all the way seven miles to the hike and bike. I get there, and because of COVID, the water fountain was turned off. So now i got to run all the way back home with no water in the Texas summer. And I sit down on the side of the road about 10 miles in. And I, I'm sitting down, and I'm just like, God, you have brought me here to die. I sounded like the ten spies and not the men of strong courage. And I'm just like, God, I don't know what's happening. I'm so discouraged. How is this going to happen? As I'm sitting down on the side of the road, I look down right next to me, and there is an unopened Ozarka water bottle. I bend down, I pick it up, I drank that thing so fast. And I heard the voice of the Lord speak in my heart. He said, Byron, if I can give you a water bottle, I can give you a building. And from that day forward, you know what? There's been problems. Lots of problems. But I kept choosing to focus on the promise that God would give us this building. That God would make a way for us in this building. I mean, we've had problems. We couldn't even find one for six months. We soon as we found one, we started applying and getting all of our, our things set up. People started giving. And then the contractors come in, and then the inspectors come in, and they start going through it, and they're like, this building's not going to work. So we go, and we find another building. That one's not going to work. So we find another building. This is the one. No, it's not. I'm like, God, this is a big problem. And then we finally found a building, and they come in, and they do the inspection. We get a loan from the bank, and they say, it's going to be 0% down. I'm just like, glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Won't you do it? And then the contractor came back and he said, the price of lumber has gone up. That means the cost of your building is going to go up. 
So we go back to the bank and they say, well, instead of zero down, you need to come up with 60,000 in the next three weeks. So we called for a fast in the church. And the church just prayed and the church just fasted. And over the next two weeks, from outside sources, God brought in $108,000 into our church. Not only are we buying the building, but we have more than what we set out with. That God gave them the land because he's a generous God. He's a good God. He said, I have made you a promise. Now live in the promise. And if all you do is focus on the problems, that's what you're going to find. Because you always find what you're looking for. But if you believe that God is good, if you believe that God is for you, if you believe that God has more in store, if you believe that he is faithful, then you keep looking forward to the promises of God in your life. We have a saying in our church that if it's, if it's not good, it means God's not done. If you're surrounded by problems, hold on to this promise. That God is good and he loves you and he wants good for you. Live in the promises of God. The, the fourth thing that we see is this, is listen to obey. Learn to obey. Only be strong and courageous. Don't just be strong and courageous. Only be strong and courageous. Being careful to do all according to the law of Moses, my servant has commanded you, do not turn from the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Joshua, be strong and courageous. So far in this sermon, man, it has been such an encouraging sermon, right? I mean, you're just like, be strong and courageous. You're hearing this and you're like, leave the past behind. That's a word for somebody in here. Look forward to the future. Somebody else, proclaim that word right now. And so far it's been an encouraging message, but right here, here's where the conviction comes. It's because a lot of people, they want the blessings of God. But they don't want to obey them. He says, be strong and courageous. Yes. But be careful. Be careful to what? To obey the word. A lot of people want the blessings of God, but they don't want to actually obey God. I mean, as a pastor, I hear people all the time. They're like, why is God not blessing me? And they're praying, God, why aren't you blessing me? God, why is life so hard? God, why can I not get victory or breakthrough? Why am I still struggling with these things? Why is life so difficult? God, why aren't you blessing me? And God's probably looking down at them and saying, why aren't you obeying me? If you would just do what I said, your life would go a lot better. But we struggle with that. Because sometimes it was just... We think we're just smarter than God. We think we know better than God does. And because we're Americans, we don't like obeying. But God wants good for us. And if it's in his word, it's for our good. And he says, be careful to obey all that I've commanded. Do you know what that word all means? All. Looked it up in the Hebrew. Me and Jason Cooper were talking about it. You know what he told me it was? All. Told me you could go home and Google it if you want because he's still learning. But it means all. In the Greek, it means all. 
But here's what we like to do. We like to think it means some. I'll obey the parts that I like. I'll obey the parts that I agree with. I'll obey the parts that make me warm and fuzzy and give me the feel goods. I'll obey those things. But that's not what God says. Joshua, if you want to conquer, you got to obey everything that I'm telling you to do. Obey all of the law. But here's how so many of us read the Bible these days. We'll open it up and we'll say, I like this part, but I disagree with this part. You know, I, I believe in all the blessings. Right. Don't believe in tithing. Uh, yeah. I want a marriage, but I don't want to respect women. I want my kids to get in a good school, but I don't want to come home from work and get on my knees and play my little pony princess parties with them. <laughs> People say, I, I want God's blessings, but... I just don't believe that I need to go to church. I don't need to get in a small group. Church is for me. I'm not going to serve. It's my only day off. And so you're reading the Bible, and you're tearing out parts that make your life look more like you and less like God. So you, you want the blessings of God, but you don't want to obey God. All that stuff about gender, nope. All that stuff about sexuality, nope. All that stuff about budgeting, nope. All that stuff about loving others, nope. I don't like that. Or we could get real spiritual. We could talk about forgiving. No, they, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Loving our enemies. Nope. And what we end up with, when we pick and choose what we want to believe in, we live a life without blessing. And so a lot of people want blessings from God, but they don't want to obey God. Joshua, you're not going to conquer unless you obey. If you want to be strong, you've got to learn to obey. I teach this lesson to my daughter. She's four. I'm raising a good preacher kid because on her first day of preschool, we got a call from the teacher. Because she doesn't, she doesn't obey. My daughter, they went out for recess and they went back inside and the teacher was like, Esther, it's time to come inside. She said, no. And then she flipped over the chairs. And so when she got home, what I did is I pulled her in real close. I said, okay, Esther, son, here's, how, here's a little parenting hack. Here's what I do. I, I get down on her level. I say, Esther, baby, look me, look me in the eye. She looks me in the eye and I said, who am I? She says, you're my dad. I said, yeah, I'm your dad. I said, who are you? I said, I'm Esther's son. You're my daughter. I said, who wants the best for your life? Who loves you more than anyone in the entire world? Mom. <laughs> and then I always tell her this. I said, I want really good for you, baby. And here's, here's, the, here's the thing that I tell her every single day. I pull her in real close and I say, life goes better. And then she repeats it back to me. When you listen. Life goes better when you listen. And so do you trust me? She says, yes. I said, then you need to obey me. 
because I have a good future for you. And I want good for you. And I want to see you prosper. And I want to see you succeed. And I want to see you become the woman that God made you to be. But in order for that to happen, you got to listen and you got to obey. Listen, I, I know that there are things in, in the Bible that don't line up with culture. I know there's things we read in the scripture that don't line up in society. I know there's things in the scriptures that we read and it doesn't line up with your flesh. But can I tell you this, if it's in God's word, it's for your good. And he wants you like a loving father to listen and to obey what he has for us. And so if you wanna be strong, if you wanna be courageous, the most courageous thing you will ever do is to live your life in obedience to the word of God. We'll call the band up. So one last thing that I wanna share with you as the band comes forward is if you wanna be strong, you have to lean into God's presence. The last thing that I want you to hear from this is a self-help message. Like, like, in order for you to be strong, you just got to work harder, try harder, be better, do better, grit your teeth, bear it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, lift with your back, not with your... Just seeing if y'all are still with me. Because we don't just need self-help. We need, we need God's help to do this. We don't just need self-improvement. What we need to do is become new creations in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus is our greater Joshua. Jesus is the one who delivers sinners into the promised land of eternal life with him. Jesus is the humble servant who obeys the word of God. Jesus is the great warrior who overcomes our enemies. Jesus is the greater Joshua. And so if you want to be strong and courageous, you got to get next to Jesus. And so here's how it closes out. It closes with this line right here. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. In 2020, he was with you. 2021, he's here right now. And next year, he's still going to be with you. And a thousand years into the future, he's still going to be with us because that's who God is. So if you want to be strong, it comes from spending time in God's presence. I love how the Bible just tells us this all the time, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That God is looking for those whom he can strengthen. Be strong and in the power of his might. And then Proverbs says this, lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Maybe another way to say this is lean not into your understanding, but lean into his presence and his presence will make you strong. I love what the great missionary of the 1800s, Hudson Taylor says, all God's giants were weak men, but they recognized one thing. God was with him. You might be here today and you feel weak. 
God wants to pour strength into your life. If you're here today and you're feeling tired, God wants to pour strength into your life. If you're here and you're afraid or you're fearful, God wants to give you courage for your life. We've learned how to look up. We've learned how to stand in. We've learned how to break through. But now it's time for us to be strong by leaving the past behind, by looking forward to the future that God has of your life. For us to be able to live in his promises, to learn to obey God's word, and then just to press in and lean into his presence.